Hello, ladies and gentlemen. It is the 21st of November, 2019. My name is Daniel Christensen, and this is a blind read-through of Walt Whitman's Leaves of Grass, the original 1855 edition. Without further ado, let's get into it, shall we? Leaves of Grass. Brooklyn, New York, 1855. Entered according to Act of Congress in the year of 1855 by Walter Whitman in the clerk's office of the District Court of the United States of the Southern District of New York. America does not repel the past or what is produced under its forms or amid other politics or the idea of castes or the old religions. Accepts the lessons with calmness. It's not so impatient as has been supposed that the slough still sticks to opinions and manners and literature or the life which serves its requirements has passed into the new life of the new forms. Perceives that the corpse is slowly born from the eating and sleeping rooms of the house perceives that it waits a little while in the door, that it was fittest for its days, that its action has descended to the stalwart and well-shaped heir who approaches, and that he shall be fittest for his days. The Americans of all nations at any time upon the earth have probably the fullest poetical nature. The United States themselves are essentially the greatest poem. In the history of the earth, hitherto the largest and most stirring appear tame and orderly to their ampler largeness and stir. Here at last is something in the doings of man that corresponds with the broadcast doings of the day and the night. Here is not merely a nation, but a teeming nation of nations. Here is action, untied from strings, necessarily blind to particulars and details, magnificently moving in in vast masses. Here is the hospitality which forever indicates heroes. Here are the roughs and beards and space and ruggedness and nonchalance that the soul loves. Here the performance disdaining the trivial unapproached in the tremendous audacity of its crowds and groupings and the push of its perspective spreads with crampless and flowing breadth and showers at prolific and splendid extravagance. One sees it must indeed own the richness of the summer and the winter, and need never be bankrupt, while corn grows from the ground, or the orchards drop apples, or the bays contain fish, or men beget children upon women. Other states indicate themselves in their deputies, but the genius of the United States is not best or most in its exclusiveness, or legislatures, nor its ambassadors or authors, or colleges or churches, or parlours, nor even in the newspapers or inventors, but always most in the common people. Their manners, speech, dress, friendships, the freshness and candour of their physiognomy, the picturesque looseness of their carriage their deathless attachment to freedom, their aversion to anything indecorous of soft or or soft or mean. What? Ah, their aversion to anything indecorous or soft or mean. The practical acknowledgement of the citizens of one state by the citizens of all other states. The fierceness of their roused resentment. Their curiosity and welcome of novelty. Their self-esteem and wonderful sympathy. The susceptibility to a slight. The air they have of persons who never knew how it felt to stand in the presence of superiors. The fluency of their speech. 
their delight in music. The sure symptom of manly tenderness and native elegance of soul. Their good temper and open-handedness. The terrible significance of their elections. The president's taking off his hat to them, not they to him. These two are unrhymed poetries. It awaits the gigantic and generous treatment worthy of it. The largeness of nature of the nation were monstrous without a corresponding largeness of generosity of the spirit of the citizen. Nor nature, nor swarming states, nor streets and steamships, nor prosperous business, nor farms, nor capital, nor learning may suffice for the ideal of man, nor suffice the poet. No reminiscences may suffice either. A live nation can either cut a deep mark and can have the best authority or the cheapest, namely, from its own soul. This is the sum of the profitable uses of individuals or states and of present action and grandeur and of the subjects of poets. As if it were necessary to trot back generation after generation on the eastern records, as if the beauty and scandal sacredness of the demonstrable must fall behind that of the mythical, as if men do not make their mark out of any times, as if the opening of the western continent by discovery and what has transpired since in North and South America were less than the small theatre of the antique or the aimless sleepwalking of the Middle Ages. The pride of the United States leaves the wealth and fineness of the cities and all returns of commerce and agriculture and all the magnitude of geography or shows of exterior victory to enjoy the breed of full-sized men or one full-sized man, uncorderable and simple. The American poets are to enclose old and new for America as the race of races. Of them a bard is to be commensurate with a people to him the other continents arrive as contributions. He gives them reception for their sake and his own sake. His spirit responds to his country's spirit. He incarnates its geography and natural life, rivers and lakes, Mississippi with annual freshets and changing chutes, Missouri and Columbia, and Ohio and St. Lawrence with the falls and beautiful masculine Hudson. Do not embroach where they spend themselves more than they approach into him. The blue breadth over the inland sea of Virginia and Maryland, and the sea off Massachusetts and Maine, and over Manhattan Bay, and over Chaplin and Erie, Ia, sorry, and over Ontario and Huron, and Michigan, and Superior, and over the Texan and Mexican and Floridian and Cuban seas, and over the seas off California and Oregon is not tallied by the blue breadth of the waters below more than the breadth of above, and below is tallied by him. When the long Atlantic coast stretches long and the Pacific coast stretches longer, he easily stretches with them north or south. He spans between them so also from east to west and reflects what is between them. On him rise solid growths that offset the growths of pine and cedar and hemlock and live oak and locust and chestnut and cypress and hickory and lime tree and cottonwood and tulip tree and cactus and wild vine and tamarind and persimmon. The tangles as tangled as any can break or swamp. And forest coated with transparent ice, and icicles hanging from the boughs and crackling in the wind, and sides and peaks of mountains, and pasturage sweet and free as savannah, or upland, or prairie, with flights and songs and screams that answer those the, the wind pigeon, the high hold, the orchard or oak. <laughs> Sorry. 
the orchard oriole, and coot and surf duck, and red-shouldered hawk and fish hawk, and the white ibis and the Indian hen, the cat owl, the water pheasant, the quah bird, the pied shawldrake, and the blackbird, and mockingbird and buzzard, and condor and night heron and eagle. To him the hereditary continence descends both mothers and fathers. To him enter the essence of the real things and past and present events, of the enormous diversity of temperature and agriculture and mines, the tribes of red aborigines, the weather-beaten vessels entering new ports or making land on rocky coasts, the first settlements, north, south, the rapid stature of muscle, the haughty defiance of 76 and the war and peace and formation of the constitution. The union always surrounded by, by the the union always surrounded by blatherers and always calm and impregnable. The perpetual coming of immigrants, the wharf-helmed cities and superior marine, the unsurveyed interiors, the log houses, the clearings and wild animals and hunters and trappers, the free commerce, the fisheries, the whaling and gold digging, the endless gestation of new states. The conveying of Congress every December and the members' duty coming up from all climates and the outermost parts. The noble character of the young mechanic and of all free American workmen and workwomen. The general ardour and friendliness and enterprise. The perfect quality of the female with the male. The large amativeness. The fluid movement of population. The factories and mercantile life and labour-saving machinery. The Yankee swap. The New York Firemen, the target, ex- the target excursion, the Southern Plantation life, the character of the Northeast and of the Northwest and the Southwest, slavery, and the tr- tr- tremul- tremulous spreading of hands to protect it, and the stern opposition to it, which shall never cease till it ceases, or the speaking of tongues and the moving of lips ceases. For such the expression of the American poet is to be transcended anew. It is to be indirect and not direct, or descriptive or epic. Its quality goes through these to much more. Let the age of wars of other nations be chanted, and their errors and characters be illustrated, and that finish the verse. Not so the great psalm of the Republic. Here the theme is creative and has vista. Here comes one amongst the well-beloved stone cutters and plans with decision and science and sees the solid and beautiful forms of the future where there are now no solid forms. Of all nations, the United States with veins full of poetical stuff most needs poets and will doubtless have the greatest use and them the greatest. Okay, God. Of all nations, the United States with veins full of poetical stuff most needs poets, and will doubtless have the greatest and use them the greatest. Their president shall not be their common referee, so much as their poets shall. Of all mankind, the great poet is the equitable man. Not in him, but off from him things are grotesque or eccentric or fail. What? Not in him, but off from him, things are grotesque. Yeah, I read that right. Grotesque or eccentric or fail of their sanity. Nothing out of his place is good, and nothing in his place is bad. He bestows on every object or quality its fit proportions, neither more nor less. He is the arbiter of the diverse, and he is the key. He is the equaliser of his age and land. He supplies what wants supplying, and checks what wants checking. If peace is the routine out of him, speaks the spirit of peace. 
large, rich, thrifty, building vast and populous cities, encouraging agriculture and the arts and commerce, lighting the study of man, the soul, immortality, federal, state or municipal government, marriage, health, free trade, inter-travel by land or by sea, nothing too close, nothing too far off, the stars not too far off. In war he is the most deadly force of the war. Who recruits him recruits horses and foot. He fetches parks of artillery and bests their engineers ever new. What? Who recruits him recruits horse and foot. He fetches parks of artillery, the best the engineer ever knew. In the time becomes slothful and heavy, he knows how to arouse it. He can make every word he speaks draw blood. Whatever stagnates in the flat of custom or obedience or legislation, he never stag- stagnates. Obedience does not master him, he masters it. High up out of reach he stands, turning a concentrated light. He turns the pivot with his fingers. He baffles the swiftest runners as he stands and easily overtakes and envelops them. The time straying towards infidelity and confections and persifilage. He withholds by his steady faith. He spreads out his dishes. He offers the sweet firm bread meat that grows men and women. His brain is the ultimate brain. He is no arguer. He is judgment. He judges not as the judge judges, but as the sun falling around a helpless thing. As he sees the farthest, he has most faith. His thoughts are the rhymes and the praise of things. In the talk on the soul and eternity and God, off of his equal plane, he is silent. He sees eternity less like a play with a prologue and a denouement. He sees eternity in men and women. He does not see men and women as dreams or dots. Faith is in the antiseptic of the soul. It pervades the common people and pervades them. They never give up believing the expecting and trusting. There is that indescribable freshness and unconsciousness about an illiterate person that humbles and mocks the power of... The noblest expressive genius. The poet sees for a certainty how one not a great artist may be just as sacred and perfect as the greatest artist. The power to destroy or remould is freely used in him, but never the power of attack. What is past is past. If he does not expose superior models and prove himself by every step he takes, he is not what is wanted. The presence of the greatest poet conquers, not parlaying or struggling or any prepared attempts. Now he has passed that way. See after him. There is not left any visage or despair or misanthropy or cunning or exclusiveness or the ignominy of nativity or colour or delusion of hell or the necessity of hell. No man thenceforward shall be degraded for ignorance or weakness or sin. The greatest poet hardly knows pettiness or triviality. If he breathes into anything that was before thought small, it dilates with the grandeur and life of the universe. He is a seer. He is individual. He is complete in himself. The others are as good as he. Only he sees it, and they do not. (laughs) He is not one of the chorus. He does not stop for any regulations. He is the president of regulation. What the eyesight does to the rest, he does to the rest. Who knows the curious mystery of the eyesight? The other senses corroborate themselves, but this is removed from any proof. But it's known and foreruns the identities of the spiritual world. A single glance of it mocks all the investigations of man and all the instruments and books of the earth and all reasoning. What is marvellous? What is unlikely? What is impossible or baseless or vague? After you have once just opened the space of a pea chip 
and give an audience to far and near into the sunset and had all things enter with eclectic swiftness softly and duly without confusion or jostling or jam. The land and sea, the animals, fishes and birds, the sky of heaven and the orbs, the forests, mountains and rivers are not small themes, but folks expect the poet to indicate more than the beauty and dignity which always attach to dumb, real objects. They expect him to indicate the path between reality and their souls. Men and women perceive the beauty well enough, probably as well as he. The passionate tendencies of hunters, woodmen, early risers, cultivators of gardens and orchards and fields, the love of healthy women for the manly form, seafaring persons, drivers of horses, the passion of light and the open air, all is an old varied sign of the unfailing perception of beauty and of the residence of the poetic and outdoor people. They can never be assisted by poets to perceive. Some may be, some may, but they never can. What? Some may, but they never can. The poetic quality is not marshalled in rhyme or uniformity or abstract addresses to things nor in melancholy complaints. Okay, holy shit. The poetic quality is not marshalled in rhyme or uniformity or abstract addresses to things, nor in melancholy complaints or good percepts, but is the life of these and much else. And is in the soul. The profit of rhyme is that it drops seeds of a sweeter and more luxuriant rhyme, and of uniformity that it, con- it conveys itself into its own roots in the ground, out of sight. The rhyme and uniformity of perfect poems show the free growth of material laws, and the bud from them is unerringly and loosely as lilacs or roses on a bush, and takes shapes as compact as the shapes of chestnuts and oranges and melons and pears, and shed the perfume impalpable of form. The fluency and ornaments of the finest poems, or music, or orations, or recitations, are not independent, but dependent. All beauty comes from beautiful blood and a beautiful brain. If the greatness are in conjunction in a man or a woman, it is enough. The fact will prevail through the universe, but the baggery and guilt of a million years will not prevail. Who troubles himself about his ornaments or fluency is lost. This is what you shall do. Love the earth and sun and the animals. Despise riches. Give alms to everyone that asks. Stand up for the stupid and crazy. Devote your income and labour to others. Hate tyrants. Argue not, con- con- argue not concerning God. Have patience and indulgence towards the people. Take off your hat to nothing, known or unknown, or to any man or member of men. Go freely with powerful, uneducated persons, and with the young, and with the mothers of families. Read these leaves in the open air every season of every year of your life. Re-examine all you have been told at school, or church, or in any book. Dismiss whatever insults your own soul, and your very flesh shall be a great poem, and have the richest fluency, not only in its words, but in the silent lines of its lips and its face, and between the lashes of your eyes and in every motion and joint of your body. The poet shall not spend his time in unneeded work. He shall know that the ground is always ready ploughed and manured. Others may not know it, but he shall. He shall go go directly to the creation. His trust shall master the trust of everything he touches, and shall master all attachments. Wow! That was a good bit. I'm going to have a quick drink. Hang on. Alright, back into it. The known universe has one complete lover, and that is the greatest poet. 
He consumes an eternal passion and is indifferent which chance happens and which possible contingency of fortune or misfortune, and persuades daily and hourly his delicious play. What balks or breaks others is fuel for his burning progress to contact an amorous joy. Other proportions of the reception of pleasure dwindle to nothing in his proportions. All expect expected from heaven or from the highest he is report with in the sight of the daybreak or a scene of the winter woods or the presence of children playing or with his arm around the neck of a man or a woman his love above all love has leisure and expanse he leaves room ahead of him he is no irresolute or suspicious lover he is sure he scorns intervals this poet guy sounds great His experience and the showers and thrills are not for nothing. Nothing can jar him. Suffering and darkness cannot. Death and fear cannot. To him, compliance and jealousy are envy... What? To him, compliance and jealousy and envy are corpses buried and rotten in the earth. He saw them buried. The sea is not surer of the shore or the shore of the sea than he is of the fruition of his love and for all perfection and beauty. The fruition of beauty is no chance of hit or miss. It is inevitable as life. It is exact and plump as gravitation. From the eyesight proceeds another eyesight, and from the hearing proceeds another hearing, and from the voice proceeds another voice eternally curious of the harmony of things with man. To these respond perfections, not only in the committees that were supposed to stand for the rest, but in the rest themselves, just as the same. These understand the law of perfection in masses and floods, that it finish, that its finish is to each for itself and onward from itself, that it is profuse and impartial, that there is not a minute of the light or dark, nor the acre of the earth or sea without it, nor any direction of the sky, nor any trade or employment, nor any turn of events. This is the reason that about the proper expansion of beauty there is precision and balance. One part does not need to be thrust above another. The best singer is not the one who has the most lithe and powerful organ. The pleasure of poems is not in them that take the handsomest measure and the smiles and sound. Without effort and without exposing in the least how it is done, the greatest poet brings the spirit of any or all events and passions and scenes and persons, some more and some less, to bear on your individual character as you hear or read. To do this well is to complete with the laws is to compete with the laws that pursue and follow time. What is the purpose must surely be there and what what is the purpose must surely be there and the clue of it must be there. Okay. What is the purpose must surely be there and the clue of it must be there. And the faintest indication is the indication of the best and then becomes the clearest indication. Past and present and future are not disjointed, but joined. The greatest poet forms the consistence of what is to be from, what has been and is. He drags the dead out of their coffins and stands them again on their feet. He says to the past, rise and walk before me that I may realise you. He learns the lessons. He places himself where the future becomes present. The greatest poet does not only dazzle his rays over characters and scenes and passions, he finally ascends and finishes all. He exhibits the pinnacle that no man can tell 
what they are for or what is beyond. He glows a moment on the extremist verge. He is most wonderful in his last half-hidden smile or his frown. By that flash of the moment of parting, that one that sees it shall be encouraged or terrified afterwards for many years. The greatest poet does not moralize or make applications of morals. He knows the soul, the soul that that the soul has that measureless pride which consists in never acknowledging any lesson but its own. But it has sympathy as measureless as its pride, and the one balances the other, and neither can stretch too far while it stretches in company with the other. The innermost secrets of art sleep with the twain. The greatest poet has lain close betwixt both they are vital in his... <laughs> the greatest poet has lain close betwixt both, and they are vital in his style and thoughts. The art of art, the glory of expression, and the sunshine of the light of letters is simplicity. Nothing is better than simplicity. Nothing can make up for the excesses or for the lack of def- def- de- definiteness. What? Nothing can make up for excesses or for the lack of definiteness. Okay, that's pretty cool. Nothing is better than simplicity. Nothing can make up for excess or for the lack of definiteness. That's sorry, that's a weirdly complicated thought. Nothing can make up for the excess or for the lack of definiteness. Anyway, sorry. To carry on the heave of impulse and pierce intellectual depths and give all subjects their articulations are powers neither common nor very uncommon, but to speak in literature with the perfect rectitude and insouciance of the movements of animals and the unimpeachableness of the sentiments of trees in the woods and grass by the roadside is the flawless triumph of art. Oh, that sounded good. If you have looked on him who has achieved it, you have looked on one of the masters of the artists of all nations and times. You shall not contemplate the flight of the grey gull over the bay, or the meddlesome action of the blood horse, or the tall leaning of sunflowers on their stalk, or the appearance of the sun journeying through heaven, or the appearance of the moon afterward, with any more satisfaction than you shall contemplate him. The greatest poet has less a marked style and is more the channel of thought and things without increase or diminution, and is the free channel of himself. He swears to his art, I will not be meddlesome, I will not have in my writing any elegance or effect or originality to hang in the way between me and the rest like curtains. I will have nothing hang in the way, nor the richest curtains. What I tell, I tell for precisely what it is. Let who may exalt or startle or fascinate or soothe, I will have purposes as health or heat or snow has, and be as regardless of observation as they. What I experience or portray shall go from my composition without a shred of my composition. You shall stand by my side and look in the mirror with me. The old red blood and stainless gentility of great poets will be proved by their unconstraint. A heroic, a heroic person walks as his ease through and out of that custom or precedent or authority that suits him not. Of the traits of the brotherhood of writers, savants, musicians, inventors and artists, nothing is finer than silent defiance, advancing from new free forms. In the need of poems, philosophy, politics, mechanisms, science behaviour, the craft of art, an appropriate native grand opera, ship craft, or any craft, he is greatest forever and forever who contributes the greatest original practice example, the cleanest expression of that which finds no sphere worthy of itself and makes one. Oh boy. 
The messages of great poets to each man or woman are, come to us on equal terms. Only then can you understand us. We are no better than you. What we enclose, you enclose. What we enjoy, you may enjoy. Did you suppose there could be only one supreme? We affirm that there can be unnumbered supremes, and that one does not countervail any other, any more than one eyesight counteravails another, and that men can be good or grand only of the consciousness of their supremacy within them. What do you think is the grandeur of storms and dismemberments and the deadliest battles and wrecks and the wildest fury of the elements and the power of the sea and the motion of nature and the throes of human desire and dignity and hate and love? It is that something in the soul which says, rage on, whirl on, I tread master here and everywhere. I tread master here and everywhere, master of the spasms of the sky and of the shatter of the sea, master of nature and passion and death, and of all terror and all pain. The American bard shall be marked for generosity and affection and for encouraging competitors. They shall be cosmos, without monopoly or secrecy, glad to pass anything to anyone, hungry for equals night and day. They shall not be careful of riches and privilege. They shall be riches and privilege themselves. They shall perceive who the most affluent man is. The most affluent man is that... Is that <laughs> the most affluent man? Is he that confronts all the shows he seems by equivalence out of the strongest wealth of himself? The American bard shall delineate no class of persons, nor one or two out of the strata of interests, nor love most, nor truth most, nor the soul most, nor the body most. And not for. Oh my god, I'm so lost. Wait a second, wait a second. The American bard shall delineate no class of persons, nor one or two out of the strata of interests, nor love most, nor truth most, nor the soul most, nor the body most, and not be for the eastern states more than for the western states, nor the northern states more than the southern. Exact science and its particular movements are no checks on the greatest poet, but always his encouragement and his support. The outset and remembrance are there. There the arms that lifted him first from the brace him best. Oh, Jesus. Hang on. I need to take that one again. Ah. It's tequila, ladies and gentlemen. Tequila in line with soda water. <clears throat> exact science and its practical movements are no checks on the greatest poet, but always his encouragement and support. The outset and remembrance are there. They're the arms that lifted him first and braced him best. There he returns after all his goings and comings, the sailor and traveller, the anatomist, chemist, astronomer, geologist, phrenologist, spiritualist, mathematician, historian and lexicographer are not poets, but they are the lawgivers of poets and their construction underlines the structure of every perfect poem. No matter what rises or is uttered, they sent the seed of the conception of it. Of them and by them stand the visible proofs of souls. Always of their f father stuff must be begotten the sinewy races of bards. If there shall be love and content between the father and the son, and if the greatness of the son is the exuding of the greatness of the father, there shall be love between the poet and the man of demonstrable science. In the beauty, in the beauty of poems are the tuft and final applause of science. Cool. Great is the faith of the flush of knowledge, and of the investigation of the depth of qualities of things. 
cleaving and circling here, swells the soul of the poet, yet is president of itself always. The depths are fathomless and therefore calm. The innocence and nakedness are resumed. They are neither modest nor immodest. The whole theory of the space and supernatural and all that was twined with it or adduced out of it or adduced out of it departs as a dream. Adduced. What has ever happened? What happens? And whatever may be or shall happen, the vital laws enclose it. They are sufficient for any case and for all cases, none to be hurried or retarded. Any miracle of affairs or persons, persons, indismissible in their vast clear scheme, where every motion and every spear of grass and the frames and spirits of men and women, and all that concerns them are unspeakably perfect miracles, all referring to all, and each distinct and in its place. It is also not consistent with the reality of the soul to admit that there is anything in the known universe more divine than men and women. Men and women and the earth and all upon it are simply to be taken as they are, and the investigation of their past and present and future shall be unintermitted, unintermitted, sure, whatever, and shall be done with perfect candour. Upon this basis, philosophy speculates ever looking toward the poet, ever regarding the eternal tendencies of all toward happiness, never inconsistent with what is clear to the senses and to the soul, for the eternal tendencies of all towards happiness make the only point of sane philosophy. Whatever comprehends less than that, whatever is less than the laws of light and of astronomical motion, or less than the laws that follow the thief, the liar, the glutton, the drunkard, through, the, through this life and the doubtless afterwards, or less than vast stretches of time, or the slow formation of density, or the patient upheaving of strata, is of no account. Whatever would put God in a poem or system of philosophy as contending against some being or influence is also of no account. Sanity and ensemble characterize the great master. Spoilt in one principle, all is spoilt. The great master has nothing to do with miracles. He sees health for himself in being one of the mass. He sees the hiatus of singular eminence. To the perfect shape comes common ground. To be under the general law is great, for that is to be corresponding with it. The master knows that he is unspeakably great and that all are unspeakably great. That nothing from insistence is greater than to conceive children and bring them up well. That to be is, uh, that to be is just as great as to perceive or to tell. In the make of the great masters or the idea of political liberty is indispensable. Liberty takes the appearance of heroes wherever men and women exist. Ah, uh, sorry. Liberty takes the adherence, not the abhorrence. Liberty takes the adherence of heroes wherever men and women exist, but never takes any adherence or welcome from the rest more than from poets. They are the voice and explosion of liberty. Sorry, exposition. I'm losing it, listeners. They, out of the ages, are worthy the grand idea. To them it is confided and they must sustain it. Nothing has precedence of it and nothing can wrap or degrade it. The attitude of great poets is to cheer up slaves and horrified despots. The turn of their necks, the sound of their feet, the motion of their wrists, all full of hazard to the one and the hope of the other. Come nigh them a while and through they... 
Neither speak nor advise you shall learn the faithful American lesson. Liberty is poorly served by men whose good intent is squalled from one failure to two failures, or to any number of failures, or from the caference or ingratitude of the people, or from the sharp show of the, the tushes of power. The sharp show of the tushes of power. Literally, it says tushes of power. Like tush, as in tushy.com, tushes. Or the bringing to bear soldiers and cannon or any penal statutes. statutes. Liberty relies upon itself. Invites no one. Promises nothing. Sits in carnus and light. Is positive and composed and knows no discouragement. The battle rages with many a loud alarm and frequent advance and retreat. The enemy triumphs. The prison, the handcuffs, the iron necklace, the anklet, the scaffold, garrote, the lead balls. Do they work? Do their work. The cause is asleep. The strong throats are choked with their own blood. The young men drop their eyelashes towards the ground when they pass each other. And is liberty gone out of that place? No, never. When liberty goes, it is not the first to go, nor the second or third to go. It waits for all the rest to go. It is the last. When the memories of the old martyrs are faded utterly away. When the large names of patriots are laughed at in the public halls from the lips of the orators. When the boys are no more christened after the same but christened after tyrants and traitors instead when the laws of the free are grudgingly permitted and laws for informers and blood money are sweet to the taste of the people then i and you walk abroad upon the earth stung with compassion at the sight of numberless brothers entering our equal friendship and calling no man master and when we are elated with a noble joy at the sight of slaves when the soul retires to the cool communion of night and surveys its experience and has much ecstasy over the world and deed that put back the helpless innocent person into the grip of the grippers or into any cruel inferiority. When those in all parts of these states who could easier realise the true American character but do not yet. When the swarms of cringers, suckers, dow faces, lice of politics, planners of sly insolvitudes for their own per preferment to city officers or state legislature or to judiciary or congress to the presidency obtain a response of love and natural defense from the people wherever they get the officers or no when it is better to be bound booby and rogue in office at a high salary than the poorest free merchant or farmer with his hat unmoved from his head and firm eye and a candid and generous heart, and when civility by town or state or the federal government or any oppression on a large scale or small scale can be tried on without its own punishment following duly after an exact proportion against the smallest chance of escape, or rather when all life and all the souls of men and women are discharged from any part the earth, then only shall the instinct of liberty be discharged from that part of the earth. Oh God, that was... That was a long thing, wasn't it? Shall I do more? I've been going for like 40 minutes. Should we try and hit an hour? Should we do an hour of Walt Whitman? I'm up to page 34 out of... um, 300. (laughs) One-tenth of the way through. (coughs) Yeah, let's do a full hour, shall we? As the attributes of the poets of the cosmos concentrate in the real body and soul and in the pleasure of things they possess, the pe- the superiority superiority of genuineness. So, ah, fuck it. Ah, 
That's it. I'm done.